This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Bill Price, CFO of Mineral Tree, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 274. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we zero in on what's become a top priority for so many finance leaders. We've titled the episode, Talent and the Future of Finance. First, some background. During the course of the last 12 months, We have actively sought out finance leaders who are generous enough to pay it forward and share with you how they did it, how they became a finance leader. And we were very fortunate to have Carol Lowe, CFO and Senior Vice President of Sealed Air Corporation, accept our invitation. And she recorded an earlier episode with us. Sealed Air, of course, is a Fortune 500 company that is today a leader in sustainable packaging. Part of our earlier discussion with Carol and what led us to urge her to rejoin us was the significant talent challenge she faced and addressed upon her arrival at Sealed Air. This time she agreed to take a deep dive with us as part of an extensive webinar debrief on the subject. Okay, so interestingly, during the same period we first interviewed Carol, I had attended a number of conferences and events, perhaps like you. At one of those conferences, I heard Ash Noah speaking about a talent competencies framework for finance. Now, as many of you may know, Ash is Vice President of External Relations for the Chartered Global Management Accountant designation of the AICPA today. I think of him as, a, as an ambassador for that designation. Now, I had heard Ash speak at previous events, but this time, the talent challenge, the same one Carol had to address, and so many other finance leaders now face, had become the central focus of his talk. And so I knew having him on this panel with Carol would allow us to bring broader understanding to the challenge. That's what this episode is designed to do. And it'll begin right after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intact provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Carol, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jack. I'm uh, very pleased to have this opportunity uh, to speak with you and uh, to be part of this panel that you've organized. Yeah, well, thanks again. I know we're we're uh, 
were knocking on the door twice this year. But uh, you joined Sealed Air during a transitional chapter for the company. It was a chapter that would require you to take a hard look at the organization's talent competencies that populated your finance team. And I'm just wondering if you could help us explain what was the company experiencing really at that time. I called it a transitional chapter, but you can characterize it better. What what was it experiencing? So in October of 2011, Sildair closed on the largest acquisition in the company's history. Uh, it was an acquisition that was very much outside of the packaging space. Sildair had been and still continues to be a market leader in food packaging and product packaging. Uh, many of your uh, participants today will recognize bubble wrap, and Sildair invented bubble wrap um, years and years ago. It now represents only about 2% of our sales. Uh, but the company acquired a company uh, called Diversi uh, for, with sales of about $2.6 billion, taking the total size of Sildare to about $8 billion, so very sizable. Uh, the investors were not supportive of the acquisition. The stock uh, dropped within a nine-month period from about $27 a share uh, to about $14 a share, ultimately falling to $12 a share. The acquisition price was approximately a total value, uh, including sealed air stock that was given to the prior owners of about $4.3 billion. I joined in June of 2012, so nine months after the acquisition. Uh, within three months of joining sealed air, we wrote off $1.9 billion of the $4.3 billion of the value paid for the acquisition. When I took a look at the finance team, um, there, there was some good talent throughout the organization, but collectively we did not have the leadership to really help support the business for the transformation that needed to occur. It was what I would label as very old school. Uh, we did not have a business partnership mind within finance to really enable the strategy that needed to be delivered to and also to share with our investors the value that could be added by the diversity acquisition, which indeed now has been done if I look back over the past four and a half years. Uh, so we needed to take a step back and say what, what were the skills and talents needed to drive uh, the company forward and how was finance going to support that. So. Um, among the top leadership team within finance, we probably had a change of about 60% of the leadership and then throughout the organization. And we really had to focus on engagement, empowerment, and development, investing uh, in the entire finance team and across the company and bringing what we would, many of us would recognize as kind of business 101 things that we should be doing every day uh, as a finance team. Now, the way you put it when we spoke last, you said you needed people who were going to work on the business instead of just in the business. And you described these finance executives as the people who are prepared to really drive strategy. What, what skills or characteristics distinguish these types of finance executives? that are capable of driving strategy? So I, it, it's largely around the leadership um, 
to do this from a finance perspective. They have to operate with agility, uh, have to be responsive to continual changes within the business, market dynamics. They have to be able to take data and convert it into insights to be able to share back with the businesses to drive decisions that are going to produce differentiated value. And the leadership team for finance and across the businesses and all our functions, true leadership teams in market-leading, market-making companies, first and foremost, they have to operate with agility, develop those insights, and then drive that differentiated value uh, and bring it to our customers. So the finance team that was really going to meet the needs of the new sealed air and the total company transformation that had to occur, um, had to understand that we had to be value-added, trusted business partners, enable that quick and effective decision-making. We had to create a culture of employee empowerment and make sure we were optimizing processes and reporting and driving continuous improvement to be a high-functioning finance team uh, that had a seat at the table, could help influence the decisions uh, for the company that would bring the greatest value to our investors as well as to our customers. Now, where did you discover uh, talent gaps along the way here? Did you, did, and did you find it necessary to recruit new talent? So, Jack, we, we did. Where I found a lot of the gaps were in the finance mindset, and that being different than, you know, strong technical accounting, which we absolutely need. It's greatly valued. Uh, so we, we did have some good technical accounting, but what we did not have enough on of was the, the, the business finance and really understanding how to take uh, market information as well as information that was being generated uh, by our own internal teams, gather those insights, and bring it back to the businesses and the executive teams to say, here are these insights, and then if we can pull these levers, these will be the results. Uh, and so that that's what was missing, and we did, in fact, have to go out and recruit externally to bring those talents inside. Uh, we also had to take people who were performing at very strong levels within the company and hold them up as positive examples of what good looked like, because in many cases they were kind of buried within the company. So we had to start shining that light so people knew what behaviors to model, what skill sets were required. There wasn't a clear picture, and I, I've been just more fortunate than I can imagine that I, I did find some diamonds in the organization and was able to recruit in some exceptional talent and have you know, the strongest team I've ever had the good fortune to work with. And together, I feel like the, the finance team can um, – be very proud that working uh, as business partners and supporting the company and working, you know, on the business and not just in the business, that we've been part of what's contributed to a, a 203% improvement in the sealed air stock price uh, since July of 2000. 
and 12. So we've got a lot to be proud of, and I think the results, uh, they speak for themselves in terms of what the total company's been able to drive, and finance has had that seat at the table to help um, help deliver. When it came to uh, assessing the talent, though, uh, of the finance team, did you find it necessary to modify or replace uh, the company's employee evaluation process or what might have been used? Jack, actually, we we did not really have a value uh, an evaluation process. It really didn't exist, and not just for finance, but for the whole company. It was largely a black box, uh, and each year at the end of the year, this is feedback I got when I came in, um, people didn't really clearly understand why they received the level of uh, annual incentive that they did, why they may or may not have received, uh, you know, uh, stock uh, if they were at that level within the company. Uh, it, it seemed very discretionary, and we all know we work on those things for which were measured uh, largely. And it wasn't clear what was being measured, what was important, what we had to deliver on as a company. And we had a new CEO uh, the board brought in uh, just shortly after uh, the board brought me in who understands how to set goals and targets for high-performing teams uh, and across the entire senior leadership team, which also probably had more than a 60% replacement that the CEO brought in new talent promoted also from within, we put in place a very robust uh, performance evaluation system, also conducted employee uh, engagement surveys. They had not been conducted for the company in over 10 years. Uh, so in all honesty, management really didn't know whether employees were engaged or were not engaged. And that allowed us to focus in the areas uh, and identify opportunities for improvement and really set very clear, specific annual goals so we all knew what we were driving towards and driving towards it together to uh, achieve some pretty remarkable uh, performance over the past four and a half years. We know uh, executives need to develop all different sets of skills, including soft skills. And for finance executives, were there certain uh, tools or ways you use to help finance teams better develop some of the the soft skills or other types of skills you believe finance people need today? So our, one of the things, as, as we have done different assessments, whether, you know, 360s, getting input out, definitely outside of finance, uh, from, from the business leaders, there are three primary divisions for sealed air, uh, and from other functions, uh, recognizing that some of the skills around communications that Finance often, uh, previously in sealed air, everything was kind of done true, true back office, and then numbers were just presented. There wasn't a lot of time spent explaining why certain metrics mattered. What were the investors focused on? What was really going to contribute to true growth in the stock price and sustainable growth in the stock price and how that tied to the business growth. So a, a gap we had within the finance team was around communication. And so we needed to make sure we understood how to communicate 
send that message, but also to listen in terms of what the business, what were the business needs. And one thing that came up over time was the need uh, to transition from investing in that back office as much and, and move towards more business enablement around tools and um, skill sets. But that softer side, I would say the largest was probably around um, communications, listening, and uh, also empowerment. Sometimes you may not think of empowerment really as a, a, a soft skill, but it, but it is because you have to have the EQ uh, to step back and, uh, and also the confidence to let go of some things to delegate, to empower your teams. So they're learning and developing at a faster rate, um, and they take pride in that. And what I've discovered over the years of my career, um, the more I empower people, the more they surprise me with incredible talent and eagerness and willingness to raise their hand and take on more and more. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, again, just very fortunate to have a team that – leadership team within finance that got that and embraced um, providing engagement uh, – driving engagement and providing empowerment throughout the organization. So clearly uh, SEAL there has come a long way with its talent development efforts, uh, particularly with the finance uh, team, but what, what's, what's happening now? What are the types of enhancements you're looking to make now to this much more mature talent uh, development approach? So we are, I would say the, the next level that we're going to is taking some things that were have been working great, but they have been more pilots or uh, just small scale and taking them to larger scales. We implemented something uh, I coined as bubble assignments where we take uh, talented people, uh, high potentials, uh, strong, sustained high performers, and when we have needs around the organization, maybe it's a special project, maybe there's a backfill needed because we have had someone exit or someone may be on leave for something or they may be on another project where we free them up. It may be from a six weeks up to six months, and they will go and work on that project, develop different skill sets. It may be somewhere different in the world, so they're also expanding from globalization skills, um, and that's sort of unique and within uh, sealed air, I think, within a lot of companies because what we also then do is we challenge the team. Uh, let's say someone moved, left the Treasury Department for a six-month bubble assignment to go to South Africa to serve as finance director. That Treasury team, they work together to see how they can cover the the needs of the team and not have a gap, and we try to challenge them to see if they can do it without having to backfill themselves. And I've been amazed at how they can spread the level of work, how they can prioritize to focus on the critical items, and they really support their colleague who had that opportunity. And we try to also offer volunteer opportunities for these bubble assignments. We've, we've implemented a new... Um, uh, internship program, very robust program. Uh, we kicked it off within finance a few years ago. It has now expanded uh, 
company-wide, so it's a very structured program. As part of that, we also include community engagement, so the interns are asked to take on a community project. We found that uh, yeah, I've definitely found within the finance team, uh, if they are engaged in community activities of their choice that the company supports and they select a project together as a team, they're very proud of the company. They like the fact that the company is making an investment in the community in which they live and in which they work. Um, so the recruiting program has been very strong uh, for the internship interns, and then we are able to hire from that group of interns. The other thing we just launched uh, in 2016 was an MBA rotational program, so a two-year rotational program um, where we're moving across the disciplines within finance, selecting high talent. The demand is incredible, and now that is expanding uh, into the businesses and other functions. Uh, finance has been a model for that. And in 2017, we will be launching a new leadership program. It's a year-long program that will be facilitated uh, by outside um, We'll have outside facilitation. It's high potentials across the company. Finances, one of the pilot leaders uh, for that program, and they will actually work on real sealed air business opportunities, presenting back to the executive committee and ultimately our board of directors. We also finance rolled out in collaboration with our HR team a finance for the non-financial employee where we're taking high potentials across the company and partnering with a local university, UNC, University of North Carolina, uh, Charlotte. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a six-month program where they would go in and uh, have classes and, and learn how to read our 10K and our 10Q and what it meant and how they could take that back and apply it to their day-to-day -day job. So, We've got lots of great things going on that we're very excited about. Wow, outstanding. Um, thank you. I'm glad I uh, <laughs> asked that question. Um, folks, if you have a question for Carol, please uh, don't hesitate. Uh, she's going to be rejoining us uh, for the Q&A segment towards the end. Uh, but some wonderful uh, programs that are just uh, just being born at uh, Sealed Air. So thank you, Carol. We look forward to uh, asking you a question or two during the Q&A segment. And now we're pleased to have Ash Noah joining us uh, from the CGMA uh, designation program and AICPA. Welcome, Ash. Thanks very much, Jack. Good to be here. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, as an ex-CFO, a former CFO, I've faced very similar challenges, both in the closing and reporting processes, but also in trying to manage talent across 45 countries and really driving business insights. Um, the, the whole concept of scorekeeping and moving them to business partnering, this is not new. Um, 15 years ago, companies were doing it. Um, I launched a project 15 years ago to address that in, in my businesses. But the imperative to do that, the imperative to have talent in your organization, which is able to address this volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, that is what is really driving the need and the imperative for this shift of gears in talent. Um, we've got a situation where 
complexity is going to continue to increase. We will have uh, greater global financial capital flows across the world. The world is getting more global. In the last 25 years, we've seen a 25-fold increase in how capital has moved across borders. Uh, we're seeing people cro crossing borders. Uh, in 2009, uh, that was the year when over a billion people crossed borders to travel internationally. And moreover, what we're seeing is technological disruption, which is disrupting business models of companies. And there's a prediction that by 2027, 75% of the S&P 500 companies would have dropped off the index. New business models will emerge, new technologies will emerge, and new players will enter the market. So we are in a very volatile environment. And, and so the need to continue to have those business partners on your team is even more essential. Uh, a recent survey from KPMG, most of these CF CEOs are saying that I expect more from my CFO. Um, their role is going to increase over the next three years. But here was the shocker, that one in three CEOs said that their CFO is not ready for those challenges. And that's what makes this imperative even more challenging as we go forward. Uh, we have a, a world that is data rich. There is a lot of information. Um, systems are getting more automated, as we just heard. And what is really, really lacking are the insights. 60% of these companies saying what their finance is providing them is not insightful. Uh, it, it, I think it's a great idea to go and engage with your business and, uh, and, and speak to them as finance professionals. Are we providing you what you need? And as we move forward, the... Um, the whole digital equation of how things are changing, how technology is really transforming um, the, the way accounting and uh, finance is going to be done. Um, the digital has to be on the CFO's agenda. Uh, digital offers enormous opportunities um, to enter new markets, to transform existing products. We heard about an acquisition story from Carol, um, introduced uh, digital allows you to introduce new business models and new delivery models. Um, these models need to be understood by finance professionals. Um, so it's really important that finance leaders understand uh, digital is not just important um, for um, operational transformation, but actually opens up new revenue opportunities um, in, for, for your products and services. So we are going to see a significant increase in automation. Robotic processing automation is here. And, and what that will allow you to do and, and what we just saw, how automation will give you that extra bandwidth to actually focus on decision support. And so what happens if we do not do all of this? And, and I take the story uh, from aviation and, and you look at the navigator because uh, a lot of parallels have been drawn about the shift from for finance professionals from being navigators to becoming co-pilots. And, and so that is the imperative. We need to start to learn how to fly the plane, not just be providers of information as the navigator did, 
because once technology takes over and you have dashboards which are automated, the need for somebody to provide information is gone. And so the navigator is no longer in the cockpit. So if you want to be a part of the journey, um, you have to learn how to run a business. You have to learn what makes a business tick. You've got to learn what drives value in your organization. So from our traditional accounting view of being a steward and being a controller and being that trusted reporter, and, and I'm not at all saying that that is not important anymore. That is found foundational. That's fundamental. But we have to move towards being more commercial and being that business partner. Uh, and, and Carol said she, she was trying to move her team from scorekeeping to business partnering. And, and this is what the imperative is. And to be able to do that, what we see is some significant skill gaps. And Carol spoke about some of them. Carol spoke about um, the, the need for business finance, the need for market information to be able to look outside and look at how it impacts the company inside. Um, it's, it's around having the business acumen, the cross-functional ability to collaborate. But as you can see here, there's a significant growing skill gap. And we recognize this at the AICPA. I recognize this as a CFO. But there, there wasn't a plug-and-play solution where one could go and say, I need some really good expertise in the business finance area. How do I get my people to get to be better critical thinkers, be better in verbal communication to, in, to generate those insights? So the, um, the technology transformation moves you towards efficiency. And so implementing uh, technology gives you scale benefits. But it is essential because it, it actually provides you the capacity. And, and that's what we were just talking about. Um, but what really gives you the effectiveness is the level two transformation. And that's when you get the competencies and skills into your finance teams. And so the journey looks like this for finance transformation. You have to move out of the comfort zone. You have to move out of the data capture reporting and analytics. And we have to spend more time on insights, influence, and actually creating strategic impact. But the technological journey and the technological transformation only takes us halfway. But it is essential the, the automation and, and adopting data and adopting technology provides you with capacity that is absolutely essential to then deploy some of that capacity towards competency development. So unless you create the capacity, you will not be able to find the time to create the competencies. And unless you create those competencies, you will not get that credibility with the business. So the journey towards finance transformation is actually two levels. One, you have to address technology. You have to get, you have to enable and create capacity. You then invest in competency. You bring in competency or you can develop competency. Uh, oftentimes, it is a combination of both. So we created a competency framework uh, at the American Institute of CPAs, and, and the CGMA, the Chartered Global Management Accounting designation, is built around uh, robust research that we did 
it's it's um, what employers need. And what we did was consulted with several organizations around the world, held roundtables with over 3,000 professionals, and came up with a framework that builds on the technical skills, but it layers on the skills you heard Carol talk about, the business skills, the business acumen in the context of business, the people skills to be able to influence the organization, and then leadership skills to be able to implement change and affect change. So this competency framework is what drives all our learning. It drives the CGMA designation. It actually drives these specific skills. And this competency framework is actually open source. Um, after engaging with those 85 organizations and 3,000 professionals around the world, this competency framework is, is around 70 pages, and it goes into minute details of the specific competencies. And why is this important? It's because one needs to articulate the competencies you need before you can go and recruit them or before you can develop them. So the, a starting point really is to define those competencies, articulate them. And our competency framework actually, if I, if I pick, pick um, project management, for example, or if I pick in the business skills macroeconomic analysis, it actually describes that competency at four different levels, from foundational to intermediate to advanced and expert. And it, it enables you to just lift and drop and articulate those competencies. Once you have determined and you have defined and articulated a competency, you can then measure it, you can find the gaps, and then you can develop it. So my challenge to you all is to actually adopt a competency framework and start measuring the competencies of your team so that you can drive these competencies and then find the ways to actually develop these competencies. And how we've structured that journey is as you develop these competencies, it actually enables you to create that value to create the value that the business is looking for. It, it allows you to be those business partners, and it allows you to have attributes that is around performance optimization. It's around being able to provide predictive and actionable insights. Uh, it allows you to engage in risk management and, and decision-making. Decision-making is, is, is really core. Carol talked about how value was destroyed and if you look at value, value is not in your net assets in your balance sheet because the gap between the net assets in your balance sheet and your market cap is now 84%. That's, that's on average an S&P 500 company. 84% of, of your value is not in your balance sheet. Do your finance team understand intangible value? And I'm not talking about intangible assets. I'm not talking about brand which is in your balance sheet. I'm not talking about Goodwill, which has been uh, acquired on acquisition. I'm talking about the value, which is in your ability to change, to, um, change raw materials into finished products, your ability to execute on projects, your IP that you've developed. That is the value which is driving business valuation. Is finance able to actually influence 
that forward-looking value, which is translated into stock prices or how much your business is worth. And, and so these are the type of competencies that are becoming more and more essential. And this is why the AICPA brought the CGMA designation um, to the U.S. And this is an international um, journey um, in terms of a global designation, which has been around for 97 years. But over the last four years, we brought that to the U.S. to enable finance professionals to get those specific competencies that CFOs critically need today. So I will close with that. CFO Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. Our guests take questions from our webinar audience right after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Carol, one question for you. Are there certain skills or experiences you believe finance executives should be obtaining earlier in their careers than finance career tracks have traditionally uh, suggested or led people to? Are there certain skills or experiences you believe finance executives should be obtaining earlier? I I think there's not enough uh, investment early on in a finance um, person's career around how to really be uh, a manager of talent and how to empower teams, um, how to delegate, because I have found as I've moved up through my career and as I look at various leadership teams that I've managed, a lot of times as a finance person, you're so into the details and you are working in the business instead of on the business, you don't have headroom time and you have to be able to take a step back. You've got to reflect on all the data that's coming in, again, to develop those insights that are going to bring real value to drive the business forward to achieve its uh, short-term as well as long-term uh, strategic plans. And what I love, uh, you know, that's been shared today by both Michael and Ash around technology and how critical that is, is being able to embrace things, you know, around RPA or the robotic process automation and looking at things that are, you know, dynamic driver-based forecasting, all of those things that digital can bring to us um, as a finance team to free up resources so you really can work on the higher value add um, activities. But I think unless we learn earlier in our career that we need to eventually get to a point where we we can step back a little bit from the detail and that we, instead of doing, we need to start bringing, you know, our brain power and our teams to leverage 
that data to create information, to create actionable items. And I, I don't think we learn that early enough on. We, we learn it when the businesses are asking for help when we're not meeting goals um, and, and we're scrambling to try to figure out what's going on because we're, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, Michael made the comment about, you know, being history teachers or we're always looking, you know, back, looking backwards and giving that history report. That's what we're taught to do. And we have got to be taught how, again, back to that theme of operating with agility, how to develop those insights and to drive differentiated value. Uh, we, we stumble upon it and only when there's an urgent need or a, a burning platform. And it needs to be baked into earlier curriculums within the public accounting firms as they're hiring people and also within industry uh, in terms of, uh, you know, core training that they provide to their finance teams. Okay, we have a question uh, for either Carol or Ash. In your role as a CFO, why does finance seem to always operate in batch mode? What holds your organization back from moving to continuous accounting? Can your organization move beyond budgeting to continuous planning? All right, multiple questions there. Ash, would you like to take a stab and then see if Carol? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the, the, the whole period end and close is, is really dictated by an accounting cycle. But if you're a business partner, you don't allow accounting cycles to dictate your business decision support because decisions are being made every day. Decision support is required regardless of, you know, a capital cycle or a capital allocation cycle or a budget cycle. So the more... But the more an, uh, a CFO, the more uh, the office of the CFO is forward-looking, the less they will be dictated by period ends and batches and everything else. So you have to move out of the transactional zone into the value zone. And, and that is the transformation that is required because you can automate most of those you can automate batch processing. You know, you don't have to be at the leading edge of technology. You can still automate batch processing. But if you are embedded in the business, if finance is embedded in the functions, if finance is embedded in the business units, that's when you're able to really make the transition out of transactional into decision support. Carol, I think we have time just if you have any thoughts on this as well. What, what did you make of this question? So I, I think um, we, Ash's response and what Michael shared as well, you know, point to kind of where traditional finance sits. And it, it has been that, you know, oh, we're coming up on month end or year end, and it really is this batch mode. It's almost this mindset of waiting for, everything to come in so we can come up with perfect information to then make comments on and to analyze. And I think we create that mindset or that culture for ourselves, and it's a paradigm that has, has to be broken. And I think one of the best ways to do that as we move forward is really leveraging uh, technology. And I think embracing opportunities around digital finance to radically transform how we deliver value uh, is going to be that key enabler to help 
get us there. So I just really encourage everyone, when you've got the opportunity to embrace that technology, grab it, learn, do it enthusiastically, and recognize the next day you probably need to learn something new and different, and it's going to be a fun journey if you're open to change. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We do want to thank CFO Carol Lowe of Sealed Air Corporation and Ash Noah of the AICPA for agreeing to participate in the webinar and then allowing us to produce this special audio podcast for you, our listening audience. We hope you found it informative. Please know you can access and view the original Uncut webinar by visiting us at cfofaultleader.com. Thanks for making us part of your day. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.